Welcome to We Are Free. I am your host, Becky Marchetto, and you're listening to episode 53. This is a podcast about letting go of what we think our lives should look like and the sweet freedom God has for us on the other side of surrender. My guest today is Jess Jordana. Jess is a copywriter, aka heart translator, who helps creative business owners turn their passionate mumblings into words people actually get. She drinks iced coffee all year round and firmly believes if date night isn't tacos, you're doing it wrong. She's worked with everyone from solopreneurs to organizations like the Rising Tide Society, but her most impressive accomplishment is surviving teaching in the high school classroom and getting to meet her former students for coffee, I'm assuming it's iced coffee, when they come back from college. Hey, girl. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. I'm glad to see your face and to be able to chat with you. Um, I am excited about what we're going to talk about, too, because today we're going to dive into the realm of living in the in-between. And I think we can all relate. I was thinking about last night, actually. I feel like most of our lives is like some something of living in the season of in-between, whatever that looks like, job to a different job or raising a family or single to getting married or whatever it is. So um, we're going to hear your story today and I'm excited to just hear your heart, but I'm also excited because I'm pretty sure we can all relate um, wherever we're at in our life. Um, So thanks for being here, friend. Yeah, I'm excited to chat about it. And I feel like I definitely have a lot of perspective on this, but I've also just learned a lot through God teaching me in places that I didn't necessarily want to be, which I think the in-between is most of us feel like it's a place where we don't want to be. We want to be somewhere else in that moment. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. Um, Why don't you first just give us a little rundown of the most recent season of living in the in-between that you have been in and um, what you are wanting or hoping for and what that waiting has looked like. And just, yeah, to give us, tell us a little bit about that first. Yeah. So the most recent season for me um, has been waiting and hoping and praying for a baby. Um, My husband and I have been trying for a baby for um, longer than we thought we would be. I think um, it is hard whenever you grow up and you're main objective is to not have a baby. I think in society and Christian culture and things like that, that is just um, what we are taught. And basically when you decide that you want to have a baby, it is sometimes harder than you think it's going to be because you think like, oh, it's just going to happen like that. Um, And that's not necessarily the case for actually most people, but it's just something that's not very talked about. And so um, I assumed that um, I would go off birth control and that we would just kind of boom, have a baby. Um, We planned the month that we would want to start trying at the earliest. And that was like me planning to nine months later, have a baby basically. Mm -hmm. So I remember um, those days of like, okay, if it's this month and you're counting on your fingers, nine months where we're going to be. Oh my gosh. The counting is the worst. (laughs) And it is so hard once you start to stop. But, um, I think that it was, just hard month after month to then count nine months later and be like, okay, well, um, how old am I going to be? What are we going to be doing in our lives nine months later and all of that kind of stuff. And so that just kind of continued and continued, um, for about 
um, eight or nine months. And then we got pregnant for the first time. Um, and then we very quickly had a miscarriage for that first pregnancy. And so that was something that I, I think it's probably one of the most difficult things I've ever been through in my life. Um, just because I, um, didn't expect it to happen at all. Like I know, on social media, a lot more people are talking about miscarriages and things like that, but I just never thought that that would be my story. And so it was just shocking and hard and weird because it's so early that it almost feels like it wasn't real to anybody but you. And so um, that was the kind of in-between thing of thinking that we had what we wanted and then that being taken away from us. It wasn't the right timing. Um, and then trying to process through that grief, but then still trying to have a baby at the same time. So, um, that's been our past few months, our story. Um, and it's been really, really difficult. Yeah. I'm so sorry you lost your baby. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Um, just tell us a little bit about like, even before you were pregnant, um, what that in between season was of you waiting to get pregnant or trying to get pregnant and like what your life looked like on the day to day and like what you're hoping for. And like, how did you like, how did you live well? How did you live your best life while you were still, <clears throat> how did you live your best life while you were still wanting something different? Mm-hmm. I don't know that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. I definitely toward the beginning took the approach of like, okay, this isn't working. So clearly we're not doing something right. And so I just need to figure out what we're doing wrong and then fix it. So I was talking to experts. I was Googling, I was changing my diet. I was changing the way I worked out, like doing all of the like input things that I was sure would change the outcome. And that just was not the case. And that was very new for me because I typically am like, okay, input equals outcome. That just is the way life is. And, um, so that was a little bit of a rude, rude awakening for me. I definitely have had those situations at other times in my life, but on the whole, if I put more effort in, I'm going to get more out. And so I was just used to that being the story. Um, and so when, I changed all of those things and did everything right, took all of the supplements and it still didn't work. Um, that was really hard and confusing. Um, and then it did technically work, but then the baby wasn't viable as they tell you in the medical world. Mm-hmm. And so I just was so, I think, paralyzed at the fact that there was nothing that I could do to change my circumstances. Um, I think the only way that I survived living my best life, so to speak, during that time was actually telling people what I was going through. Um, Because for probably the first few months, I was just really embarrassed because I felt like that we were doing something wrong or there was something wrong with me specifically. It always seems like it falls on the woman. Like there's something that's wrong with us that we're not able to conceive. And so, um, I was really embarrassed, but then I decided to tell my mom, I'm really close with my mom. I told some friends, um, who I know had struggled with the same thing. And I think that helped a lot because I could just, 
I had people who understood that like day to day to day, I was feeling this unmet need or want. And I was feeling inadequate every single day um, in more ways than one. It wasn't just like a business thing, but it was this like heart life thing that I so desperately wanted and couldn't have. Um, So I think that was really helpful to tell people and just to have people praying over me in that time. Yeah. Uh, Looking back, like in retrospect um, and having, you know, we always have a little bit more wisdom on the other side. You said like at first you don't think maybe you were living that best life. Like what would encouragement or like after you had your miscarriage and like moving forward, still trying to have a family, like did that, is this season of in between this part two, you know, of in between look different than uh, the previous one? Yeah, I, it was a rude awakening for me again, when we had our miscarriage and I couldn't take time off of the business that I built. So I built this business because I wanted to have freedom. Um, I wanted to call my own shots and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and to serve people really well, but, um, the, it had been built to a point where I couldn't take time off from it. And so at that point, that was like drawing a line in the sand that things needed to change because when something tragic happens in your life and you can't afford your boss, so to speak, doesn't let you off of work and you're your own boss, um, that is a really bad situation. So I think that was a big shift for me. And so now I would say in this season of in between, things just feel less high stakes, um, in terms of like things that I put so much value on in the past, like my business and things like that, hitting goals, um, hitting all of these milestones, they just matter less. I think, um, beneath the weight of the things that I know that really matter. Um, and the fact that I know that business isn't going to matter at all if I can't also build a life that I love alongside it. So I think that was a big heart check for me and has definitely just made things matter less. I know that sounds like it may sound lazy or terrible or whatever, but you're at three, you're not lazy. (laughs) I hope not, but it feels that way sometimes because I'm so used to just like go, go, going, but it does just put things in perspective for you, I think. Yeah, rest is good too. Um, I'm doing a BSF Bible study and we're reading Genesis and just last week reading about how, you know, God created the world, the seventh day, he rested. And I just kept coming back to like, rest is holy work too. And the fact that like, we are not created to go, 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 go and not have that rest built in. So you're not lazy at all. Rest is yeah. is good. Um, yeah. I think too that one time I heard um, somebody say that we set goals, but we leave room for miracles. And I think that that was something um, that clicked in my head because I feel like I so stringently plan my goals and my next steps and my milestones that I don't leave room for God to work because I'm like, this is exactly how it has to work. This is the amount of days that it needs to work in. And I think I approached um, getting pregnant in the same sort of way. Like this is the timeline that we agreed upon. And so this is like blessed by God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So 
And that's just not always the case. It actually is rarely the case. So I think that visual of like leaving room for miracles was a really helpful one for me. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, How has God been changing? You've said a little bit of it, but like how has God been working on you and changing you during this season? Yeah, I think um, in the past, I even my like relationship with God has been really... um, kind of like closed fist. Like I have to have my hour of journaling in the morning. And I've done that like as long as I can remember. But, um, after the miscarriage, I could not write words on a page. Like, and it's funny because it's my job, Mm -hmm. but especially, um, like just journaling and like, um, writing out how I'm feeling. I just could not do it. And so I had to find, other ways to cling to God. So I would kind of meditate on a verse throughout the day instead of needing to have like my own thoughts and reflections. I would have friends and family pray over me over like voice messages and things like that. Um, And that was really helpful. So I think he's teaching me how to just abide in him in different ways that that doesn't need to look like my perfect picture of abiding in him, um, all the time. And I think that that's honestly preparing me for whatever version of parenthood we get in the future, because I'm sure that that, um, hour of journaling is going to be a far cry from what I actually get at that point. So, um, I feel like he's just kind of showing me how to abide in him in lots of different ways. Um, and I also think that he's showing me what true friendship looks like. Um, because I, one of my big things with getting pregnant is we live in, this is like honesty hour, but we live in a community where, um, everyone has kids and we're one of the very few people who don't. Um, and so I think a part of me felt like I wouldn't be able to have community until I had kids. And that is just a lie from the devil, because if you are having to change into somebody that you're not or change into somebody totally different in order to access your community, then those are just not your people. And so I think God's shown me and my husband in this time what real friendship looks like. And we've been able to find really great community. Um, but it took some finding the wrong community first and trying to make that work to be able to access that goodness, I think. Yeah, no, that's a really good um, point. And I'm glad that you are accessing that community. That's so yeah. important. I remember I I felt like I isolated myself or maybe I didn't isolate myself. I shared, but I felt a lot of feelings that I felt like nobody would get or nobody would understand or I couldn't share because that's not that wasn't their story, but like that's not the prereq for friends or community is yeah. not, you know, living the exact same life because that's just not how it works. But right. I remember feeling a lot of those things. Um I know you've had other seasons of your life, other um, situations, um, circumstances outside of trying to have a family that have been where you've, again, felt like you're living in an in-between. Tell us a little bit about maybe one or two of those other seasons. I'm curious, what I would love to do is like, what, how God was working in those seasons and like as a whole, can we all walk away? You, me, all of us listening, you know, like what is God doing in these seasons of in-between regardless of what our circumstances are? So if you could just tell us a little bit about maybe one or two other seasons um, Mm -hmm. that were similar, but just different circumstances. 
Yeah, totally. So the biggest one that sticks out to me um, is my teaching career. So I was a high school English teacher before I made it to the entrepreneurship world. And um, the I made it to the classroom by just applying for a job and getting the job. Like I had zero teaching experience. I had never student taught or anything. Um, And then I was thrown into a classroom of high school seniors two weeks after school started um, with zero experience whatsoever. And they were 18, some were 19, some were 20 years old, and I was 22. So it was a very... um, it was a trial by fire for sure. That first day I was walking into the classroom thinking I'm going to do just what I always do. I'm just going to crush this. And I was so confident in that. And I had, um, an eight page typed speech in my hand that I was going to deliver with gumption to these teenagers. And so I walked in there and I started, reading off basically like just dropping page after page. Um, and the speech was mostly about me, which was awful. Um, I look back on it now and I'm like, I have no idea what I was thinking, but I basically thought like, I'm going to tell them why I'm different. I'm going to tell them why this class is going to be different and it's just going to be great. And then we're all going to do amazing things together. And there was this one girl I, her name is Alasia. I actually went to her baby shower a couple years later, but she was sitting in the front row putting on her makeup and laughing at me as I was reading off my speech. There were like groups of people in the back that had their backs turned to me and they were just kind of chatting together. Everyone had their phones out. It was awful. And I pushed through and delivered that speech for six class periods that day. Dang, girl. <laughs> the same result. And I like laid on the floor in my classroom and cried at the end of the day. It was awful. But basically I had to learn the lesson that it was 0% about me. And so that was like the very first thing that I learned. And so I had to really, um, get to know those kids. I got to get to know those kids, um, and figure out how I was going to tweak whatever I was teaching them to actually matter to them. Um, and so I actually very quickly got good at it. Um, but that didn't mean that it wasn't hard. And, um, basically anytime I had a win two seconds later, I completely failed. And so that was the entire three to four years of my teaching experience was it didn't matter how great I got at what, what, what I was doing. I was always experiencing failure in the next breath. And so that to me was really, really hard because I prayed for God to get me out of there. Like I was just like, God, get me out. This sucks. And I don't want to do this. Were you praying that? Probably pretty soon. Day two. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because um, I think I was like, okay, this is going to be hard for a little bit. But once I get good at it, it'll be easy. But that just was not even close to the truth. And so um, I just, God just kept telling me, I'm going to be with you, but you have to stay. And that was like the biggest lesson that I learned. And I think it 
in the Bible, um, my favorite verse is Esther 4.14. And um, I actually have a necklace that says for such a time as this, but um, Esther 4.14 says, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And the setting is that Esther is trying to um, help her people and she has an in at with the king. Um, but she is going to have to go into the king when she's not called and she's scared because typically you get killed. if You go into the king when you're not called to. Um, so she's talking to Mordecai about this and basically, um, she's saying like, I'm going to have to do this. It's going to take courage. It's going to take, um, it's going to be a risk, all of this kind of stuff. And then that verse comes up. And I always thought of that verse as like courage, action, like you have to go after things. But the truth is that she also had to stay where she was in order to make that happen. And I think that that's the hardest thing about the in-between is that sometimes the answer is just to stay. And I think that that is hard, but it's also where we learn the biggest lessons. And so I think that's what I got out of teaching and what it really feels like right now too. Yeah. Oh, I love that story. Um, I I love that story in the Bible too. And I love your take on that just to stay. Um, We had my friend, Ann Julie, she's on, I don't know what episode, she wrote a book called Stay. And it's all Mm -hmm. about that, like staying in the midst of the hard in parenthood, yeah. in your search and your questions with God, staying in the mess, staying in all of it. And it's like so uncomfortable to stay, but that's that's the answer. That's what we need to do. You know, like I'm like you, I'm like a doer. I remember like one of the first times I was in therapy years ago and, you know, I'm telling her all this stuff and she's, you know, telling me the feedback and I'm like, so what do I do? And I kept saying the word do, and I never realized until then, like nobody had ever pointed out that I'm constantly saying that, you know? And she's yeah. like- she looks at me, you just sit with it, Becky. And I'm like, this is awkward. That's weird, blah, blah, blah. And like, but now I'm like, I know, like she was right, you know, but I had a hard time just like sitting with it and being versus doing. Um, so I can totally relate to like learning how to just be versus do our way out of everything. Um, yeah. Jess, what would you say, like regardless of the season of in between, whatever that is, like what would you say the greatest challenges, like maybe sitting and staying in it, but like, what are some of the other biggest challenges that you've experienced, like in those seasons? Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes there is a way out. Like, I don't feel that in this season, but in teaching, I could have quit. Like at right. any point I could have gotten myself out of there. And I think that's tempting sometimes to kind of muscle ourselves out of things because we're like, well, I see this path and it's there and I'm just going to take it when we know that that's not the path that God has for us. Um, and so, and I mean, it's not as clear as like God saying, Jessica stay, like it wasn't that clear, but I just felt in my heart that my job wasn't done there. And so, um, that's clear. I'd say that that's clear. I mean, I think it's hard. We sometimes like, we want like God to like, you know, speak to us audibly, but it's like, if we have that intuition, like that's the Holy spirit, that's clear. Right. Yeah. And when I, when it was time for me to leave, I felt an amazing sense of peace about it. So I agree. I think that that is how God speaks to us. Um, 
at least most of the time. And so I think it's hard when we have so many options just in our world that we can choose anything we want to do, but sometimes that's not the path that God has for us. So I think that's the hardest thing is I feel like at any point we have the power really as like humans in this crazy connected world to do anything that we want to do. Um, but a lot of times it's not, um, the, the path that's going to lead us to what God has for us in the future and things like that. And sometimes that path will make it take even longer. I've like been through that, make it take even longer for you to get to where you want to go, but it looks like it's the fast track. So, um, I think just kind of the only way to stay in tune with that is to stay in tune with God and make sure that you're listening and really asking him, like, not just for things, but like asking him what he has for you. Um, so I think that's important. Yeah. You said that you've been there, that you've tried to fast track. What have you tried to fast track? If you want to get into it, if not, um, that's okay. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I had, this is, I've never told this story live on air before, but um, I, in college, I was a part of, a network marketing company. And the reason that I started it was because I knew like I was going to be successful. I knew I was going to have my own business. Like I just always knew that in my heart. And this felt like a fast track to like have my own business because I didn't need my own idea. I didn't need like anything except for just executing on what this like company provided. Um, and it was just the most like not blessed by God journey that I've ever been on. I call it my lost year in college because I basically was pursuing everything but God. Um, I was pursuing money, fame, um, vanity. I was trying to get to be as thin as possible so that I could be an example for the people that I was trying to make healthy and all of these things. And the, um, people that were involved with it were just like emotionally abusive, just like telling me that I wasn't good enough. And and I can't explain it, but it, it was a full year. And at the end of that year, I just like snapped out of it. It was like, God was like, okay, you've done enough here. I'm going to just pluck you out of this. And I just called the people that I was involved with and told them that I was quitting and everything like that. But it was just like a wayward path is all I can describe it because I just felt like I was just doing, pursuing everything that was on the opposite side of God. Um, and so I think that's the biggest thing that kind of comes to mind whenever I think of that. Yeah. It's, we do have free will. We can do, I mean, we can do whatever we want. And I mean, for a lot of people that's really liberating and freeing for non-Christians, I feel like that's like, yeah, that's the life we can do whatever we want, but um, within the parameters of how, God, you know, asks us to live and how he asks us to listen to him for us, you know, our specific lives. Um, no, I, I, yeah, I get you. I've, I've tried to fast track things too. <laughs> for sure. Um, I think it goes back to that, like doer, like I can do this. Like this is how we do things around here. Roll up your sleeves and you get it done. 
Yeah. And I think right now I'm kind of in that stage of business where, um, like things have moved really quickly for me, but I know that in order to get to the next level, I'm going to have to step back. Like I'm going to have to go backwards a little bit in order to go forward. And that is excruciating for me, but I at least can recognize it now and know that that's what needs to happen. Um, instead of trying to fight it and just like keep pushing forward, but going so slow. So yeah. Yeah. Jess, what would you say are some of the greatest rewards? I'm just looking back at like the teaching career and how that went and um, waiting to have a family. Like what are some of the greatest rewards that you've experienced of living in the in-between, even just still not being maybe where you think you want to be, but in that season? Yeah, I think um, when you just go from thing to thing, there there are kind of two things that happen there aren't really any lessons learned. So like you just kind of keep trucking along. You're like, okay, I got this. I got this. It kind of feels like playing a video game where you're just like scooping up like coins. I don't know. I don't play video games, but something like that. Um, And you also tend to not have as much gratitude when you do get something. Um, And I'm not saying that that's something that we should just accept because I think even when things come easily to us, we should get better at being grateful for them. Um, But I think that it is so much like the gratitude is just so much deeper when it's been like, a trek to get there. Um, and when you haven't had it for a long time and things like that. So, um, I think that is a reward because I think that we miss a lot of things when we're not grateful for them in our lives. Um, yeah. And I also think that a major reward is just like depth in relationships because you don't get really deep with a friend or a family member until you go through something hard together. And I think that that is something that God gives us as just like something really sweet in our human lives um, is that we can experience pain together. And that increases like our relationship and our love for each other um, in a way that it wouldn't otherwise. Yeah. How would you say your relationship with God has changed in the last year plus on this latest season of in between? That's a great question. I think, um, it's become less of an event and more of something that I feel like steeped in, if that makes sense. Um, because it definitely was like my, my hour of journaling in the morning, that was the event. Um, but then I wouldn't necessarily like pray throughout the day or feel his presence in anything or really need his presence in anything. Um, but I think that that I experienced that for the first time in teaching, like I could not get through the day without just like clinging to the Lord. And I think that I lost that a little bit in my first couple of years of entrepreneurship because it just felt like, okay, this is the next thing I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. And this is going to happen. Um, and it, it wasn't easy, but it felt simple. Um, and it felt kind of calculated. Like I didn't need any other variables in there, but when you hit a season like this one, it goes back to like, okay, God, get me through the day kind of thing. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, And the question I love to ask everybody is, what do you feel that God has set you free from in this journey in these seasons of living in between? 
Yeah, I think God has set me free from the idea that love is a result of what I do. (laughs) Um, And not just, I think I let go of that from like God loving me a long time ago, but I had not let go of that from like other people loving me. Um, And so I think he's really just set me free from, it's not people love me because I do this, this, and this, but people just love me. And I think that that is really freeing. Yeah, I I agree. Are you a three wing two? No, wing four. four. Okay, interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So identity and authenticity is big. Yep. Yep. Um, Mm -hmm. Where can people follow along? So as we mentioned before, Jess is a copywriter and um, she's on Instagram Reels a lot lately and they're quite entertaining. So (laughs) even if you're not in the creative business world, I still suggest you go see what Jess is doing on Instagram. But where can people follow along? Um, A little story about that. My grandma watch she tunes into all of my Instagram stuff and she was like she told me I really love the songs that you've been doing lately she calls them songs and she's like it feels like the Jess that I really know so this is like hearkening back to my like actress roots I love it but um you can find me on Instagram at Jess Jordana um that's where I hang out most of the time my website is jessicajordana.com um and that's where you can find all things copywriting um we have one-on-one services and then we also have a DIY shop called the Promplet shop that will help you write copy that connects and converts for your own website Awesome. Thank you, friend. Um, I'm excited for you. And thank you just for for sharing. Again, I think we all are very often in some sort of season of in-between. And I think a lot of what you said, I know I could relate to personally, so I'm pretty sure listeners will too. So thank you so much for sharing all that. Again, don't forget to check out the show notes where we have all of the info and links and resources we talked about in the show. You can go to beckymorkecho.com, B-E-C-K-Y, M-O-R-Q-U-E-C-H-O dot com. Thanks for listening in.